Hi, everyone. Thank you for joining us for the 539 Church Podcast. 539 is a church in Goodyear Heights seeking to invite people into Jesus's family. If you're in the Northeast Ohio area, we'd love to have you join us for one of our Sunday morning gatherings. For more information about us, including our service times, address, and live stream information, please go to 539.church or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Thank you for being with us. Uh, please find me afterward if this is your first Sunday. I would love to hear how you made your way to 539, who drug you here, whatever the case is. I uh, would love to get to introduce myself to you, but uh, just want to thank you uh, for coming. Uh, people got a lot going on on Easter, a lot of stuff to do. I heard someone say they had like three or four egg hunts today, so uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy weekend uh, to worship with us. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 4 this morning. If you have a Bible, John chapter 4 and Luke 24. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, don't worry, it's all going to be on the wall uh, behind me. But uh, today I've titled this message, I Found It. I found it. And really, uh, as we're kind of traveling and take some time to get to John 4, I want you to think about a time when you lost something. Maybe it was something that was just minor. It wasn't a big deal. Uh, maybe it was a huge deal. You lost your phone or you lose your keys or your spouse or your kids, whatever. Uh, you lose something significant or, uh, you know, something that's of great value. And it was a couple years ago, my wife sent me uh, on a missions trip, which that means clean the car, which is just a, you know, a project in and of itself. And uh, in the back of the car, in the trunk, she had bags of clothes, and uh, she said, hey, just put those uh, in, the, you know, in the donation bin. So I said, hey, no sweat. So uh, you know, I went, and I was unloading. I was with my friend, and we were taking the clothes that were in the back, and we were putting them in the donation bin. And I remember specifically, you can fact check this, she said, hey, put everything in the trunk in the donation bin. And, uh, you know, so, so we did it, and my buddy, you know, he, you know, as we were doing it, he, like, held up another bag. He's like, hey, this one, are you sure? And I said, bro, put it all in there. And uh, it was a couple days later, and she said to me, hey, did you clean out the trunk? I said, of, cor- of course I did. And she said, well, I've been looking for my purse, and I can't find it. Uh, what, where is that thing? Yes, I put the purse in the donation bin, and not just any purse. This was, like, the best purse you could possibly have, given by grandma and mom and every, you know, either way. I just totally, you know, felt like I, she thought she lost it, but her husband just pulled a bonehead move. Any husbands out there today, you do stuff like this? Yeah, it's like every day. Either way. Uh, but there are times in life when you're looking for something and you just can't find it. You don't know what you're going to do. And really, as people, uh, if we were going to take a poll, uh, most of us would feel at times you're just looking for something else. You're waiting for a better job, you're waiting uh, for more money, you're waiting for a better college career, you're waiting along the way, you're waiting for better neighbors or a church or whatever the case is, you're looking and you feel like you're in the deficit or you're on the outside looking in, right? When someone's on their phone and they're telling you a story, what do you say? Hey, let me see, right? You want to see what they're looking at? You feel like you have FOMO, right? You just want to know, hey, am I missing out on something? And we'll say it this way as we start out this morning. We don't know what we're missing until we realize what we don't have. You see, as people, we live in this constant deficit of thinking, man, hey, someone else has what I want. Someone else has what I need. God, why? Why would you give it to them? Why would they have this relationship, this amount of money, this career, right? Why, why, can't, why can't I have this? And we live in this reality of looking, hey, why does it look like someone else has found something 
and they're happy and they're joyful, and I just can't find it, God. Why is this happening to me? You see, because as people, we would rather bypass. Most of us want to bypass the journey. We want to find purpose but bypass the journey because we want to skip over a hard season in life. Because just across the board, every single one of us, we go through high and low seasons. And in the low season is when you will find God. In the low season is when God will make or shape us or build character. You know, it's not typically on the third Harley Davidson you find God or the second yacht or the, you know, the beach house, whatever the case is. Yacht, that's extreme. But either way, when things are going very well, that's not when you typically find God. That's not when you typically are shaped and molded as a person. We often want to jump over a low season in order to just have purpose. And this is true for all of us as people and even uh, as a church. Uh, we've been on a journey, and it was a year ago to the day I took this photo, and in this room, this is what the room looked like last Easter 2022 in this room, and God took our church, and he took it on a journey, and we launched in September, and God is doing an amazing work, amen? It's what he's doing. It went from that to what we see today. You see, God takes all of us in a journey and to bring a purpose, and that's what he's doing in your life and in my life, and we're going to see in this passage today. It says in Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. Don't you wonder what God is doing? What's he up to? What's he doing like right now? Is he alive? Amen? Yeah, is he, is he, is he involved or is he absent? Is he inactive? Does he just kind of set your life up and he says, hey, good luck and figure it out? People who can't see what God is doing, they'll stumble all over themselves. They'll find themselves in the valley yet again, missing, missing what God is trying to do. So this morning, we're going to spend some time looking at John chapter 4 and looking at a story of a woman like you and I who found herself meeting God when she least expected it. It says in John 4, verses 4 to 8, he, being Jesus, had to pass through Samaria So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. So Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour, and a woman from Samaria came to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. He gives her this invitation, give me a drink. And it says in the passage that they had to pass through Samaria, You see, typically for Jews in this day, they would go around Samaria because it was people that they did not want to be with, right? They didn't want to associate with them. They didn't want to be involved with them. They were different color, different background. They wanted to avoid these type of people. And Jesus, Jesus, he did not come to avoid and run. He came to seek and save. So Jesus says, hey, I'm going to go through Samaria. We're going to go through the places you and I would rather avoid the difficult places, the low places, the hard seasons, the valleys. Hey, we have to go through Samaria. We can't go around. And then it says he runs into this woman at the sixth hour, which is significant for this reason. It was about 6 p.m. at night. In this day and age, they would come to the well, not at night, not in the afternoon. They would come in the morning before it would be hot outside. So they would beat the weather. She is coming, and she is hiding from all the stuff in her life. Jesus approaches her and says, hey, give me a drink. And we'll say it this way from the passage, that Jesus, 
is at the place we least expect. There's oftentimes a place you expect to meet God. Maybe it's at church. Maybe when it's talking to grandma. Maybe when someone dragged you here. Whatever the case is, you might expect to meet God. But when you are in the place and the season in life when you least expect it, that is where God shows up. She is hiding. We'll talk about this in a minute. She's hiding, and she finds Jesus, and he gives her the invitation, hey, would you, would you give me a drink? And we'll also say it this way, that Jesus meets us where we are and loves us as we are. You and I believe this lie. It just happens all the time that you have to clean yourself up, and then you can come. You got to make sure everything's on money. You got to make sure you've stopped doing that, stop saying this, quit drinking this, quit hanging out with these. You got to clean yourself up, and then you better be looking good on Easter, right? You better be smelling good. You better be looking good. You come in, and now God is pleased to have us. He doesn't take us at our best, He takes us at our what? Worst. That's how he takes us. So God, he meets us where we are. And it says in the passage, Jesus, it says what? He's wearied. He is tired. On Easter Sunday, we reflect and remember that Jesus is God in the flesh. Make no mistake. But the humanity of Jesus, he is tired. And what's he do? He sits down at the well. And he asks this woman for a drink of water. Some of you need to be reminded today, hey, you're just tired. You're just exhausted feel like life is just this hamster wheel. You're running. You feel like you can't find life. You feel like joy is just for those crazy church people who raise hand when they sing songs. Why is that so weird? I don't know why they do that. Either way, you're like, what am I supposed to do? I, don't, I feel like I'm on this wheel. I'm kind of just tired of even trying. I don't know how this works, God. You just feel exhausted. And Jesus, he meets you right where you are. He doesn't expect you to clean it up, to stop doing all that. He, he, he wants to meet you right in the middle of your mess. And it goes on in the passage in verse 9. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And the woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob? He gave us a well and drank from it himself, as did his sons and his livestock. So this is quick and this is important. This well is very significant. Uh, It was built in Genesis 33 when God laid it on Jacob's heart. This well is a place where they would go to remember that God would provide, that he had brought them actual water, a physical need that they needed met. Now, Jesus is at this well, and what is she doing? He says, hey, give me a drink, and she says, are you greater than our father Jacob? Hey, where's your bucket? Hey, how's this going to work? Because this is often what a lot of us do. When what we've been looking for, our entire life is offered, we go right to details and deflect. Hey, this isn't going to work. I don't know who you are, but guess what? You don't have a bucket, Are you greater than our father Jacob? She's meeting God when she least expected. Poor girl just showed up to get a drink. Someone get her a bottle of water, right? She is showing up and she's having this conversation. And in the midst of this, in the midst, she is going to details. Hey, guess what? My past is too wild. Talk in a second. I've done too many crazy stuff. Not like my past, but like what I'm doing right now. What I'm doing right now. And then she goes to details. Hey, how's this going to work? 
What are you, what are you gonna do? Hey, are you greater than Jacob? Where's your bucket? Because it says in Jeremiah 2 in the Old Testament, the people of God were replacing God for a well or a cistern. And he says this, you have built buckets that can no longer hold water. It's a bucket with holes. When we try to live life and try to find significance, and what we could in, it's an empty well. And that's the very thing he's confronting with her. And when you and I deflect, it always communicates something. Always does. Has anyone ever asked you a spiritual question and you'll just bring up the most absurd thing? Like, hey, have you ever heard about the Browns, right? Uh, someone will ask you, and, you know, hey, are you going to church? And they're like, well, it's, we got Easter egg hunts, you know, and you'll just bring up something weird. Is there any candy there? Don't worry, we have donuts. So uh, all of that kind of happens. We deflect. We go to details. Hey, I can't, I bet she said something along the lines, I can't see myself changing. I can't let go of this. I can't imagine a life like, what are you talking about? She is talking about H2O, the actual water, and Jesus is trying to reveal a greater need. It goes on in the passage in verse 13. Jesus said to her, everyone, say that with me, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. And the woman said, sir, she does it again. Give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. She's still in the process of deflecting. And I mean, this is not a terrible thing, but it's what a lot of us do. We come to God for a physical need to be met. I mean, your finances might just be a disaster and you need help. Your, your relationship, your marriage might be a disaster and you need help. You're like actually hungry. You need food. You're, you're like actually thirsty. You need water, right? You, you have a physical need and you come to God that way. And what Jesus does is he says, hey, we can talk the physical need, but we have to address the spiritual need that's taking place. Because even uh, Good Friday as we celebrated and Easter and all of this, the death and resurrection of Christ, is Jesus withdrawing his physical needs his, I mean, he's being beat and crucified. He's, with, he's withholding not just to meet a physical need for you and I, not just to bring water and good things in our life, but to bring us eternal life. Amen. And every single one of us in the room, we're on a journey. Depending on how you got drug in here, right? Someone made you come. Someone forced you to come. You didn't really want to come. They tricked you, lied to you, and they're like, hey, let's get breakfast, right? And you saw the donut truck, and now you're here. You're like, it's a lot. Um, e- either way, either way. Um, you, you, you come in, you're on a journey with God. You might feel far from him. You might feel like he's close. You might feel like you've tried this whole thing before. But here's what's happening to the woman at the well. She is finding healing from the person she needs most while hiding from the people who have hurt her the most. She's coming at night because the people in her land and her town, they have hurt her, right? She's coming because something's going on in her life. And also, this is taking place, it's true. A lot of you, you've ran from God. It's not because people far from God, it's the actual church people that hurt you. God help us, it's the people who were in the room, judgmental, hypocritical, said some things, they lived another, and all that, and you said, I can't do this. I'm, I'm gonna run away, these people have hurt me. Right, God help us. So then what does she do? She's hiding. And in the midst of that journey, she is going to meet Jesus. Now, when you and I try to hide things, we do so in a very foolish way, very foolish way. 
It was about 10 years ago with my brother. We were on really a career that was just like tearing stuff up and making bad decisions as teenagers. And either way, we were at my grandma's house. She bought this cabin and the whole family was there. And uh, in the middle of the night, him and I got in a fight and he's here, you can ask him. I won the fight, but either way, uh, we were in the midst of arguing, debating, and there was this lamp and one of us, I'm pretty sure him, kicked the lamp and busted this lamp. And so, you know, basically the whole family's there and him and I were so wise and I said, hey, we both said, hey, let, let's just go throw this thing in the woods. Let's just go hide this lamp. So, you know, middle of the night, we take this lamp, we run out, and there's like, you know, a yard and just woods. And we're so smart, we just took it and we just tossed that thing like this right in the woods, and we run back in and slept like a baby, right? We thought, we're fine. Now, little did we know, grandma and grandpa, you know what they do every morning? Yeah, they walk the path and pray for the grandkids. So... You know, God, pray for Michael and Daniel. They'd love you. And they see this lamp. Now, uh, you know, my sisters come in, and they're, like, yelling at us, and we're like, it's fine. We go in there, and Grandpa's just dying laughing, right? He thinks it's hilarious. Grandma, I mean, is mortified just to death. And not only that, what did she do? She brought the lamp back in on the table, kitchen table, every piece. And she's like, why would you hide your sin from us? And I was like, Grandma, come on. Either way. When we hide sin, when we hide what we've done wrong, oftentimes it's like that. We just do it in a foolish way. We think we're smart about it. We think we're wise. We think no one's going to find out. But in the midst of trying to hide, that's when God wants to speak to us the most. And we'll look at it now in verse 16. Jesus said to her, go, call your husband and come here. It's kind of weird. They're talking about water, talking about the well, talking about buckets, Talking about all this stuff, H2O, right? And then he said, hey, go call your husband. It's like, whoa, right? <laughs> call your husband and come here. The woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. And the woman said, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. So she's had divorce. She's had affairs. I mean, the very last thing you want brought up in church or on Easter Sunday, right? Just brings all that up. He said, hey, go call your husband. And I mean, you can imagine the way she's like, oh, no, he knows. He knows. And why is this significant and important? Because Jesus will expose our past and present situations to show his love. You see, Jesus goes to the deep, dark places to show how deep and significant and personal his love is for you and myself. The very thing we want to hide from God. It says our thoughts and intentions are exposed, meaning this, hey, he wants to go there. You want to know why? Because he loves you too much. The very thing I want to keep hidden, the very thing I don't want anyone to see, that's the thing he says, hey, we need to talk about that. You want to know why? It's the thing she's hiding from. The town people know she can't get water in the morning. She's got to come at night. She's had her, she's on her six. You want to know what the problem is? She's had five. She's on number six. And someone tell me she needs number seven, and his name is what? Jesus. That no man can heal. So when we are running from God, feel so far and hurting, guess what happens? Jesus pursues you. He pursues us. He loves us right in the middle when you just feel like, I mean, right, I said, poor girl, she just came to get a drink of water. Just showed up to church for a donut, right? How, how'd this happen, right? She's like, oh my gosh. So it's personal and it's important. It's what he's after. Verse 23, 
says this, the hour is coming, Jesus says back to her, and is now here. It's now here. It's today. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the woman said, I know that Messiah is coming who is called the Christ. And when he comes, he'll tell us all things. She's still missing it. She's still going back and forth. You ever felt like, and some of us are here, you're just, I mean, you couldn't have, I mean, God couldn't light up the sky any other way. Just write it in the sky. People have prayed for you. You see his love, and you're kind of like, eh, I don't know, right? Same thing. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. A few important things. The hour has come, meaning it's now time. The Father is seeking, meaning this, God is seeking and pursuing you. In Acts 17, he confirms this. God is looking for people to come to him. He's, he's pursuing us. And then it says in spirit and in truth, meaning this, we come on his terms. It's not multiple ways up the mountain. It's not multiple paths. It's, he's the way, the truth, and the life Right? He's the only pathway. He's saying, hey, in spirit and truth, I am the one and I am here. It's on his terms. Verse 28 says this. So the woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, she came with an agenda. What's the agenda? Have this water jar? Fill it. I have needs that need met. I'm here. I'm just thirsty. Dang it. I just came to get this, this full. And how did, she leaves her water jar and goes back into town because when you come with an agenda and you meet God, you leave with a different one, right? She says, hey, I've met Jesus. I, I'm just going to leave this thing. I don't even know why I can't. Just runs back in town. What does she say? Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? You see... Here's what's happening. And it goes on to say in verse uh, 39, she says, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. And she runs back into town. You imagine the townsfolk, and they're like, we know. We, we know. We know who you are. We know what's going on. And doesn't, doesn't sin and whatever our lives, whatever they look like, it just brings this immense amount of shame. You just feel guilty. You feel like you want to hide and run feel like you want to get away. And in those moments, God is trying to meet us. Because when you meet the Savior, it erases all that shame. Or we'll say it this way, our sin brings shame until we find the Savior. Come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. Townspeople are like, what's wrong with her? That's all church people are. We're just broken, messed up people who have no idea really what's going on. We've just found life. We found a risen Savior. We found living water. Would you come and see? Right? That's all that's taking place. And it says in John 4, 42, we know this man really is the savior of the world. Everything that's happening, the woman's testimony, the water at the well, he's providing and she's saying, hey, I found it. My sin has brought me to this point and I need a savior. And then in Luke 24, verses 1 to 6, it says this, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the woman took the spices, or the women took the spices and had prepared, and went to the tomb, and they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. And while they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them in their fright, and the women bowed their heads or their faces down to the ground. But the men said, why do you look for the living among the dead? 
He is not here. He is risen. So they come to the tomb to see Jesus, to prepare his body, to put spices, all of that. And guess what they find? An empty one. And they find a risen Savior. When you come to Jesus, there's tons of benefits that happen. You get forgiveness. I mean, just wrap your mind around that. All past, present, future sin, a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, new has come. You get a future in heaven. You get a family. And you get freedom. Freedom looks like, hey, come and see a man who told me all that I ever did. I have no shame in this. You want to know why? Because he's that good. I have no shame in this. So here's how we'll wrap up this morning. The risen Jesus is waiting at your well. He wants to talk, not because he's ready to bring everything up just for judgment. He's going to bring it all up and says this, hey, I love you so much. I'm going to listen. I'm going to expose all this and let you know this is how deep my love runs for you. It's personal. You feel like you're on the outside looking in. You're saying, I've never found that. I've never seen that. And Jesus steps in and he says, hey, I'm waiting at your well. I have found it. I have. When I was 18 years old, I had reached rock bottom. I mean, I was in the middle of my senior year, felt like I was chasing after all these things. I was looking for anything but God in my life. And God just straight wrecked me right off my horse and said, hey, I love you. You're going to keep searching and you will not find it. I found it. That's all we are at church, people who have just found the risen Savior. So the question for us this morning is this, have you, have you found it? If you haven't, what else would God have to do? What else would he have to do to warn you, to caution you? You have, I mean, it is the greatest gift of all time. It is what we celebrate, the risen Savior. Everything we have hinges on this, that Jesus rises from the dead. Can you imagine the disciples that morning saying, come on, seriously, he's here? No, where's he at? He's risen. Why do you look for the living among the dead? How long will you keep looking? It says in John 1, 12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I'm going to ask some of you today, maybe for the first time, to make a decision. Maybe you never thought you would make. You came for a different reason. You came for something else. But either way, you feel like, man, God is just pressing something on your heart. And what better day, what better time for you to give your life to Jesus and say, hey, I'm no longer looking. I have found God. Let me pray for us this morning. Lord, for those who are listening and they're in the room and you've just been messing with them all morning. In fact, they're here and what they're hearing maybe for the first time, they've never heard this good news gospel message. They think of Easter, it's just candy and bunnies and all this other stuff. They've all this and Lord, you've just been speaking to them. So God, I ask right now, would they call out to you? And if that is you this morning, would you just pray? There's nothing special about my words, but would you just pray and say, God, I am a sinner. I'm so exhausted. I've come to this well. It's like every day, Lord. I feel like they just reached rock bottom. They don't know where else to turn. And they're tired of searching for meaning and significance. Would you just call out to God and confess your sin? He promises to meet us right where we are. And then the Bible says, Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. That you would believe in this gospel message. 
that you would just give that to God right now. And if that's you this morning, and you're sitting in your seat and you're making this decision right now, would you just throw your hand up right where you are? Not about anyone around you. I just want to pray for you. Go ahead and throw your hand up so I can pray for you. Awesome. Anyone else? You just say, hey, I need to make this decision right now. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired of just reached the low point. Awesome. Thank you. Anyone else? This is just between you and God. We can either pay for our sin in hell or Jesus will take all that payment on the cross. We just give it to him. God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that we have a resurrection Sunday that you are the risen Jesus. He's not here. He's arose from the dead. And God, we thank you for new life, <laughs> that there's more joy in heaven over one person who, need, who doesn't need repentance than over 99 people who just say, hey, I'm doing good. So God, there is much joy in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said. Amen. Would you guys stand as we sing a few more songs together?